Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Hey, it's great to see you. Today, we're continuing our series called Live the Life. It's a study in the book of Ephesians, and we're in Ephesians chapter 3 today. Paul begins to give further insight into what he's specifically praying for, so far as the Christ followers who are living in Asia Minor are concerned. However, instead of sticking to the thought, he begins in this, in verse 1, and then he decides to take a side road for the next 12 verses. Now, he eventually is going to get back to his original thought, but not until verse 14. Let me show you what I mean. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, he begins... For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles. And then he promptly changes his topic. And then in verse 14, he comes back to the point and starts the prayer all over again, where he says, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. In this moment, it seems like he has ADD. At the very least, he appears to be having an ADD moment as he starts to pray for the people. And then... He just interrupts himself because he's pretty sure that these people aren't fully grasping what God was doing. Now, as I read it, these verses, see if you can spot the secret, starting with Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Now, have you ever planned and prayed for something and then waited on it to happen? I mean, you planned it out and you prayed about it, and then it finally happened. Do you remember how excited you were? Now, we'd be very hard-pressed to find a secret more exciting than the one Paul had been given by God because it literally, literally impacted everybody. Did you see the secret? Here it is. What God was doing before their very eyes was to make a way for all mankind to have access to himself, and he started by adopting Gentiles into his family. We talked about that last week. Before this was reserved for the Jews, that was it. Paul wanted his readers to appreciate though that they had an all access pass to the creator. Paul had a front row seat, which fed his excitement and he calls it a secret that was hidden, but is now revealed. Clearly many didn't pick up on this or perhaps they chose simply to ignore it, but God revealed this, this part of his plan as early as his covenant promise to Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 12 and verse two. He said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. If people had been paying attention to their Old Testament scripture at all, hearing the news that the Messiah died for everybody wouldn't have been any big news. John chapter 316, in fact, fulfilled Genesis chapter 12. God wasn't secretive about, the, wasn't secretive about this part of his plan at all. People just missed it. You want to know why? Because people see what they want to see and they don't see what they don't want to see. You might want to write that down. I'm going to say it again. People see what they want to see and they don't see what they don't want to see. Paul saw what God was doing. He was paying attention to God's plan. So the first thing he mentions is grace. In fact, he mentions grace three times in these few verses, but it may be in a way that may be new to you. For example, in verse two, he said, surely you have heard about God's grace given to me to preach to the Gentiles. In verse seven, the gift of God's grace given me through this power. And in verse eight, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles. When Paul was saved, he was given an assignment, a very specific assignment, a job to do. Before Paul was saved, the Lord showed up to this guy named Ananias and told him to speak with Paul. And Ananias promptly informed the Lord that his idea was a no-go. It's a non-starter. And the Lord said to Ananias, this man is chosen to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the, to the people of Israel, the Jews. I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name. Ananias then shared the gospel with Paul, and Paul responded in faith, and Ananias baptized him. Now here he is sitting in a prison cell. That is Paul. He's busting with excitement, unable to maintain his, his train of thought because he's so excited about what God is doing. He believed that he had been shown grace for a reason, and that reason, that reason was so that others might know that God's plan works. You see, grace radically changes you just like it changed him. But he also wants us to be very clear that we're not just saved from something, we're saved for something. God's grace saves us, and at the same time, God's grace sends us. God's grace brings a responsibility to our lives. It was true for Paul, it's true for me, and it's true for you too. God's grace empowers us to live on mission, but we sometimes miss that critical point. And maybe you're thinking, but living for God is so hard. Well, that's why Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3, 12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you tell Paul how hard it is to live for God, he'd answer, sounds about right. But he'd be quick to refer you back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You remember when we read that? For we are God's handiwork, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, here's a question for you. Why do you think that you have been shown or given grace? Why do I ask? Because to experience grace is to care about the salvation of others. God's plan has always been for us to be his messengers. Grace is not the end of something. It's the beginning of something. And I'm wondering, who has God put in your life? What would happen? Just what would happen? Think about this. If each one of us let grace loose in our life. Paul could see that God's plan went way beyond the Jews to include the Gentiles and that it went beyond the first century Gentiles to include everyone, including you and me. He knew that the Christian mission is, is a worldwide mission. 
but people see what they want to see, and they don't see what they don't want to see. 1 Timothy 4.2 says, God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. See, our mission is to glorify God by helping people move from lost to found and from found to fully formed in Christ. That's who we are. That's what we do. Grace brings responsibility for others. Paul was so excited because he got to be part of God's eternal plan. Today, you are getting the call too. God has a role for you. To whom has God called you? Be specific. Is it a specific group of people? Is it a specific area such as a neighborhood or a town? And let me let you in on a little secret. Meaningful work is not reserved for only a certain type of people. Maybe the educated, the talented, charismatic, got their whole life together type of people. Paul was awed by the fact that God would entrust a guy like him, a guy who was little by name. Little is the meaning of Paul's name in Latin. And he was little by stature. He was actually believed to be short. And he was short on morality. He killed Christians. He was in awe that God would entrust him with such a tremendous privilege. And he viewed the call to ministry as all grace. We should as well. Grace not only liberates us from the burden of trying to earn our salvation, grace also enlists us in the exciting and meaningful work of God. Whatever role God calls you to play, it is with grace. It is a gift. Paul was so in tune with this in his own life. Let's continue Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. He said, Although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Listen, it's hard work. But this work must be done. Why? Because there's a second part to the secret plan. Would you like to know what it is? Well, let me just ask you this. Why did God create the church? Would you think about that? He could have just saved each one of us and left us alone. But his plan was not just to save us, but, it, but to bring us together. We're going to read starting in verse 10. You see, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Part two of the plan, God's intent was to make known the manifold wisdom of God too, and this is a big deal, to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Paul uses a unique and interesting word in this text. The term is manifold. This is the only place where it, appear, uh, where it appears in the New Testament. It's a poetic adjective that means very varied or multicolored or that which is different in a number of ways or many and diverse. What he's saying is that there is so much beauty and variety to the wisdom of God that must be experienced in order to be understood. Now get this, when we, a diverse people, come together as one body of Christ, we make known God's multicolored wisdom. To whom? Our community? Well, yes, but not just our community. We make God's wisdom known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. What? What's Paul saying? He's saying that when a Christian happens to, happens to be a registered Republican, partners with a Christian who happens to be a registered Democrat to serve breakfast to the homeless, heaven takes notice. When a Mexican man works with a 60-year-old white guy from Orlando, Florida to take the gospel to people in Stanton, Texas, heaven takes notice. 
You see, when these types of scenes play out, spiritual beings come to understand in, the greater, in, in a much greater way than ever the beauty and variety of God's wisdom. Look around the room that you're sitting in right now. Diversity shows the manifold wisdom of God. But listen, diversity isn't the goal. Obedience is. Heaven is watching us. That's the point. It's staggering to think that spiritual powers in heaven observe the church on earth. What they see is the wisdom of God on display. You see, when humans want to witness God's greatness, we look to the heavens. But when the rulers and the authorities in the heavens want to witness God's wisdom, they look at the church. The church lets the entire world see God's plan in action. All right, let's wrap this up. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Is living a life of faith worth it? When following Jesus is hard and there are no easy explanations as to why, when all I have is faith that God works everything together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, I want to know, is it worth it? Is it? Is it worth putting aside our personal differences, ethnicity, gender, financial, political differences to function as the one body of Christ? And Paul says it is. It's worth it because lives are changed and angels are enlightened. But it can be so discouraging at times. And that's why I'm so glad he didn't stop there. What's more is that you are given access to God. We have access to God. You have the same access to the Father as anybody else. And that's why Paul tells them, don't lose heart. Paul was chained to a Roman guard under house arrest whenever he wrote this letter. And rather than being discouraged, he was encouraged because he saw it as part of God's plan. So while he would have preferred freedom, he knew that somehow his chains were being used to advance the gospel. I think we tend to forget this at times. You know, Corey Ten Boom wrote that she considered that wherever she was, that was the part of the world that God wanted her to take the gospel to even the German concentration camps. That was Paul's perspective. He didn't consider himself to be a prisoner of Rome. He considered himself to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ because it was out of obedience to Jesus that he was a prisoner there. And he trusted completely in the sovereignty of God. This verse, this last verse sort of buttons up this section and it really takes our attention all the way back to verse one where he said, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. See, he considered his circumstances to be in the will of God so that the gospel could be spread to the Gentiles. That was Paul's perspective about his difficult circumstances. I know that sometimes life can feel confining and you might be tempted to feel as though only, if only you were in a different circumstance, you could serve God so much more effectively. But listen, your limitations do not limit the gospel or sidetrack God's plan at all. God will use your circumstances to advance his plan. Consider this, that maybe you are where you are by God's design and purpose. And really the question becomes, how would it change your outlook on life if you just knew that God was working out his plan. Even when it is unpleasant for you, do you want God's plan or your plan? 
I think it's important to focus on God and his plan because it causes you to focus more on who God is and less on who you are. Do not be discouraged in difficult circumstances. Yes, it's easy to be discouraged in so many ways. A tragic accident takes a husband from his family. The unexpected loss of a job leaves parents and children feeling very afraid. A young woman continues to wait for marriage, but each of her boyfriends says he still needs more time. You know, a short while back, I came across a news report of a high school here in Central Florida where there was controversy over adults praying with students. And then through a random conversation, a friend's name came up saying that he might have been receiving pressure because his church meets at that particular school on the weekends. Well, my friend, Alan Youngblood, uh, Pastor Alan Youngblood, was the teacher of the year the previous year at the Lake Howell High School, and also he's a pastor of the congregation. And so I just sent him a text. I just said, thinking about you today, saw the news uh, a couple weeks back, something about people resisting prayer in school. And he replied, thank you for thinking about us. An atheist group tr was trying to cause havoc, upset that adults are joining with uh, teens in, in prayer, a little bullying from that group. And then in the very next text, he wrote, I feel more confident than ever that I am where God wants us. And then the next text, it is becoming very clear how God has guided us. Pastor Youngblood was sent to a high school. Peter sent to the Gentiles. To whom have you been sent? Who needs to hear from you that God loves them? Paul just believed that wherever he was, that it was just the part of the world that God wanted him to take the gospel to. Don't be discouraged because of suffering, my friends. Instead, approach him with confidence. Be bold. Boldness means courage in the face of intimidating circumstances. It doesn't mean you don't feel afraid. It means you keep moving forward. Be confident that he will pay attention to you. He's expecting you. Well, what do you need to approach God with today? Are you discouraged? Take it to him. Are you hurting? Do you need wisdom? Maybe you've never approached him at all. And maybe today you have heard God's invitation and you want to respond. Just let someone there know. He's expecting you. Whatever might be going on in your life, you may approach God. You have an all-access pass. More than that, you have his invitation. You are invited to live in the presence of God. Not to occasionally show up, but to live all of life in front of God, in his presence, with confidence, with boldness. Maybe there's something that he's called you to do that you have been resisting. Maybe there's an area of your life that you haven't given over to him to have total control of. Go ahead, approach him today, accept his invitation. He's expecting you. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you, Father, that you direct our lives and that regardless where we are and even regardless of how we feel, it is always true that you are with us and that you are working through us and that you love us in fact, Father, you love us enough to allow hardship to shape us. But I would pray, Father, that you would help us to not only embrace the fact that your grace has saved us, but your grace has also sent us. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, 
We post a new episode each week, so be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.